Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. So, Tage Thompson, is he the best story in the National Hockey League? Right now, I have to admit, I was on a plane yesterday when uh, you and the everyone else in the SDPN group chat were going off on Tage Thompson and the four-goal first period, and then he would add a goal later, that he uh, had against the Columbus Blue Jackets. What the hell was going on? This dude's crazy. I mean, he's had a fantastic year, and then he had a massive night. And, you know, anytime you see a player have a hat trick, in under four minutes of ice time, which is what he did. He adds the fourth before the intermission, scores a fifth goal still in the second period. All of a sudden, you're looking up your record books or, you know, exhausting your Google to see, you know, when the last six-goal game was in the NHL, which actually was in 1976 when Daryl Sittler had his record-breaking six goals in 10-point in game. Uh, the the all-time NHL record is seven goals, which was technically within some kind of reach. Uh, you know, the only thing... And I can understand it. Like this is it's, this isn't a true criticism, but just as someone who is enjoying it, I, I really wish he had a, got a little bit more playing time. You know, not only just Tage Thompson finished his night with with five goals, one assist. You know, he played what 13, 14 minutes of of ice time. Um, you know, most most of the Sabers actually uh, skated more than him in the game, and and you know, part of that is that they had nine goals at the second intermission. So if you're Don Granado, the, this you know you're you're parking the bus at that point, but uh, selfishly with the kind of records that were potentially in play there, I just wish he had got a little bit more time on ice. Silver lining to that, maybe it's the most efficient goal scoring performance in NHL history. Maybe could be. I mean, we don't we don't go back far enough with with time on ice as a statistic to to know you know what Daryl Sittler played, for example, in that 1976 game. I, I suppose. If you really wanted something to do, you could probably get a tape of it and and sort of time it off yourself as best you can. But, um, you know, it, it it really could be. I mean, and he did just like every shift, it's like goal, 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 penalty, goal, goal. Um, you know, obviously Columbus is in a tough stretch too. That, that that's part of the story here. Um, you know, they they were coming, they were already facing long odds to make a breakthrough as a team, I would say. And, and, you know, having some very significant season long injuries hasn't helped things there. So there's, there's two sides to that, that coin, but let's give Tage Thompson his flowers. I mean, he's uh, had a big breakout year, maybe didn't develop at the rate. Some would have liked or hoped he was a first round pick by St. Louis once upon a time, but, but ended up in Buffalo as part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. And, my goodness, uh, Kevin Adams made a nice decision to sign him to an extension before this season started. If you remember, it was a seven-year, $50 million extension because the price would probably be going up at this stage. Tage Thompson already has 21 goals. That is 21 goals already? Oh, my God. Oh, dude. I gotta, yeah, that's that's tidy bit of business on the part of Kevin Adams. Shout out to him and shout out to Tage Thompson, who, yes, you're absolutely right, is very much deserving of flowers, maybe even deserving of a stick tap, mind you. He's got tough competition this week, so we won't be cross. We won't be cross checking him. I know that much. If we're if we're giving him another shout out, it's 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 in a positive way. I have to mention, uh, I was on a plane yesterday. I am in Columbus. Uh, I am in Columbus for the uh, Flames Blue Jackets game on Friday. I am currently in a Marriott hotel. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you see me glitching a little bit, maybe lagging a little bit, let's just blame it on the hotel Wi-Fi. 
Noted. Welcome to Columbus. Yeah, Columbus is a, you know, I, I've actually been working a lot since uh, since uh, I got in. So I have not had the opportunity to take in all the sights and scenes of, of Columbus, but I will do it. I will get out of my hotel room uh, tonight and, and hopefully before the game on Friday. I promise. Sneaky good NHL stop, I would say. Uh, it's not not the first thought of sexy road trip, I don't think, for a lot of people, but uh, really good fan base around the Blue Jackets. Great arena district with with restaurants and bars and the like that that pop on game night. I was there for the All-Star game years ago. I was there actually, and I don't remember the year, but they, they got by the first round for the first time, and I was covering some of their, their second round series. And uh, I, I always enjoy a trip into the C-Bus. Before we bring on David Basto for Sports Interaction, please give me a recommendation of some place to visit or do in Columbus. Well, what are you looking for? I mean, you can't go wrong with the R bar. Anyone is anyone who's ever gone to a Jackets game will know that that's that's one of the the hot spots. I mean, there are a number of other good bars in that little area right by the rink, but uh, the R bar has about a thousand TVs, a full pub menu. Prices are are right. It's a good spot if there's any games you want to watch. Um, and I've been in there many times over the years with other reporters, say the night before the game we were covering to, to watch other hockey, um, cause it's a good hockey bar, but you, you really can't go wrong. I wish I remembered, I didn't look this up, but there's a, there's a market, uh, not too far from the rink, which is a good place to go for lunch. And they have, um, one of the local ice cream stores there is unbelievable. Uh, and, but unfortunately I'm, I'm not blanking on the name, but, uh, any of our, anyone who's been to Columbus will know what I'm talking about. Um, cause it's a short walk from, from nationwide arena and that's, that's a good spot. There's also a Tim Hortons there, which is less novel oh. for those of us that live in Canada and could go any day if we wanted to, but it's, it's one of the rare places you see a Tim Hortons in the U S. Okay. All right. So our bar. Tim Hortons. Uh, I'm not recommending Tim Hortons. I'm just I'm giving you random <laughs> facts. I'm not saying you have to go there. Oh, random thought. Uh, did you know Tim Hortons' real name is his first name is not actually Tim? I did not know that. Seems so I was it. No, it, it actually is. And I was watching this other podcast all called the Random Order Podcast, and they had this random episode where these guys all just kind of like talk about random stuff, and randomly one of the guys are just like. Do you know Tim Horton's na- real name is not Tim? It's actually Miles. Wow. So it could have been the Miles bit instead of the Tim bit. Exactly. And I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's true. Tim Horton's real name is Miles. Well, I suppose a lot of people go by not their given name, right? Yeah. I mean, like I have, I, I I have do. two I have two siblings who go by their middle name. Um oh. so and actually my dad goes by his middle name too. So I don't know why that is. Like, it seems kind of strange to me. Like, why not just give someone anyway? Now we're really down. to, But like, it's not that unusual, I suppose. It's just you don't always realize someone isn't going by their given name because you only know them a certain way. Well, now I know. Now I want to know why you don't go by your middle name. I, I don't know. My middle name is Edward. So mm. um, named after my grandfather on my mom's side. Uh, but I have I got no clue. I don't know. I don't know how two fourths of. The kids in the family, I, like, I don't, how do these things happen? It's strange, but here we go. I I am very intrigued at that, but I also know we can't keep David Bastel waiting. Time to bring him in for Sports Interaction. As always, it's for those 19 and over. We ask that you please play responsibly, and there will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. It's time for You Can Bet That. So just because we just finished our Sports Interaction segment where we discussed Mitch Marner doesn't mean we have to stop talking about Mitch Marner, who... 
20 game long point streak for him goes toe to toe with Jason Robertson and his streak wins out while his get while uh, Robertson's gets extinguished. I mean, the Leafs also winners of six of their last seven, like things are actually good in Toronto right now. Like, like normal a lot of times we talk about the team when there's reason to be panicked and reason for, for alarm, but things actually happen to be pretty good right now. I would say they're great. They've lost one game in regulation, I think in six weeks, give or take, um, you know, the probably for me, the biggest story of all, and this is not to throw any shade on the point streak because it's, it's definitely generated some interest is the goaltending has been exemplary. And when I look around the league and see what's happening, where, you know, the Edmonton Oilers have some buyer's remorse with, with the Jack Campbell signing, the team you're covering uh, most closely is seeing Jacob Markstrom lose a little bit of his grip on the number one job. I mean, I think we all expect him to keep it long term, but but you're seeing Dan Vladar get a series of starts. Cal Peterson uh, is getting paid five million dollars to play for the Los Angeles Kings farm team because his struggles were so bad. I mean, the the low risk, low money, at least in the case of Ilya Samsonov, bet by the Leafs is paying off in net. They have the the fourth best team save percentage in the league. Uh, Matt Murray despite having another injury and missing, you know, a month's time in this season has been great when he's been healthy and in the net, he, you know, he had a 44 save sh- uh, shutout in Dallas this week. That money puck set is, is the best advanced stats shut out by a goaltender, you know, basically since these statistics have been around. Um, yeah, this, this, this run has been kind of confounding too, because it's come with all their injuries uh, at the same time. I, I think that, in some ways, those can be blessings in disguise. And we've talked about this a little bit, but everyone gets everyone's attention um, that, that you sort of have to cover. If you're a forward, you have to cover for the D. If you're D, you got to cover for your goalie. I mean, it just, I think things have fallen into place nicely. But, um, you know, Mitch Marner then is is getting at least a point a game for more than a month. So uh, it's it's a nice run. And and as I said to David Bastel, I'm, I'm, I'm not predicting this thing ends anytime soon. I mean, there's no reason to think it would that, you know, the Leafs have a decent power play. Mitch Marner figures into that. I mean, so much runs through him, frankly, with how, how great a vision he has, you know, he's, he's now playing five on five with, with John Tavares a fair bit, but they've, they've been striking up a nice chemistry and, and, you know, I have to think as much as the Leafs aren't talking about this in the media, they're aware of what's going on They're They're going to be looking for Mitch to, to, to do what they can to, to ride this out. So, you know, maybe this, maybe, maybe you can keep it going right into Christmas or something. And, and, you know, get it to a point where you're taking down some serious folks. Cause I think the longest point streak um, by an active player is 25 games. So you're getting close to where you have to go to players that are retired to, to get to, you know, to for perspective here about how impressive this is, um, you know, by the end of the next week, I guess if Mitch Marner keeps this up, he's, he's going to be in that kind of air. Okay. I want to make sure I get to Matt Murray because you're absolutely right. That is a really cool story, but I am curious about how it is for you and all of your other media friends to ask about about the point streak, right? I mean, maybe some people are superstitious. Maybe some guys don't want to talk about it. Like, what's it like having to go into locker rooms every day and be like, hey, your point streak's up at 20 games? Like, what's that like? Well, I'll tell you, we're recording after I was at Thursday's morning skate before the Leafs played the Kings. And there wasn't one question about it, at least anywhere where I was. Mitch Marner himself wasn't available to the media, but none of his teammates and Sheldon Keefe were asked about it, or at least, again, in any scrums I was a part of. So I think you get to a point where it's kind of weird, because what can you really say about a streak at this point? Like, obviously, he's hot. 
I don't think it's a revelation that Mitch Marner is an impactful offensive player. That's, you know, he's been that for quite some time. He was on the, the end of season all-star team at right wing last year. Um, you know, he's, I think he's rightly recognized as one of the best offensive players in the game, uh, but he is on a run. And, and so it's, I think it's a little easier question post game, you know, for example, when there was the game last week and, and, you know, Mitch Marner nearly ran out of time and he hits the empty net. I mean, there was a lot of discussion after that about teammates trying to set him up with the empty net, the fact that he passed and, and, you know, nearly missed an opportunity. I mean, that you get the sort of reactive stuff, but it's, you know, at this point, I think it's getting a little old and I'm sure if you're Mitch Marner, I don't, I don't know if it's superstition or just, you know, you get fatigued by it. I mean, there's only so much he can say. Um, but at the same time, you want to keep it going. If you're in his skates, like if you're the media side might be a bit of a nuisance, but I'm sure he takes a little bit of pride in this because, you know, he's again up there with some of the best players of this generation. I mean, Crosby's got 22 or 23 was his longest point streak. Patrick Kane, I believe at a 25 gamer, like he's getting up there with his heroes kind of in, in an achievement and, and it's not easy to do or else you'd see this more often. Absolutely. Also, I imagine in the media, you don't want to be that guy who makes that proclamation saying it's going to end today or maybe it's going to keep going and then you jinx it or something, especially in Trump. Right. I was watching an NFL game recently and I wish I could remember the teams, but the, the announcer mentioned that the, the kicker hadn't missed a kick in whatever, 136 straight. And then he missed the kick, the, the point after touchdown. So, yeah, you don't want to be that person. Pity Gord Miller or, or Chris Cuthbert or whoever's calling those Leaf games. You don't want to you don't want to be seen as putting a jinx on Leafs Nation. Absolutely not. Um, Matt Murray and the fact that he's been able to step up recently for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you think of his story and what do you think of 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 how he's been able to play and and, and also Samsonov as well with how that goaltending tandem has been going? Well, it truly is a tandem and, and we haven't had a long run of games where both were healthy. So you're still trying to get a feel for, you know, how the coaching staff will deal with that if they they do end up with a long run of games that way. You know, it's sort of interesting that that Murray has the 44 save shutout in Dallas on Tuesday, and now they're going to Samsonov on Thursday against the Kings. I mean, clearly, they're they're more or less splitting starts at this point in time. You know, I think Murray's story, uh, you know, has has the possibility of being something pretty special. I mean, it's it's still early. I think that that's fair to acknowledge. He's he's only made nine starts uh, this season, but what you've seen from the nine starts is is very encouraging, and and maybe informs a little bit of why the Leafs were comfortable, um, you know, making a bet on him, I suppose we might call it, uh, you know, rather than signing Jack Campbell to a five-year deal or getting involved uh, with Darcy Kemper, who got a big money deal over term and going with, with a younger player, more of a checkered recent past, um, but on a shorter term contract, um, which was key for the Leafs decision-making makes a lot of sense. And, and I think everyone has to keep in mind too, that Matt Murray's someone who's gone through some changes in how he plays in, in recent years, uh, which I think is important to point out. And, you know, what the Leafs really saw, actually, it was this time last year, Julian, he was in the American Hockey League, if you can believe it. He was playing for Belleville in December of last year. He got recalled in, in you know, towards the end of the month, and, and he put together a stretch in January and February last year, um, or I guess the start of this year, 2022, that, that, that was really what Leafs management, you know, noticed, or, or their scouts, that, that, that how well he played in that time. He ended up getting another injury, uh, towards the end of the season, but they they felt that they saw enough there um, to to be comfortable to bring him in. And and look, you're seeing it now. I mean, the, the game he played against the Stars for anyone who didn't see it, you you might not like 
the, the newer statistics. You might not buy what Money Puck is selling you, but I can tell you if you just watch the old-fashioned eye test will tell you that he stole that game. I mean, he was tremendous, uh, really moving around his crease fluidly. Uh, you know, not a lot of luck involved in that. I mean, it, he just looked really po- dialed in and poised. And, you know, what's interesting, Julian, is, is Matt Murray barely skates at this point in time. I mean, he does a lot of one-on-one work with the goaltending coach, Curtis Sanford, and, and you know, does does those sort of drills before practice. But it's not unusual at all for him to do that and then leave the ice when his teammates are coming on for practice because they're mindful of not overworking his body and taxing someone who's gone through a number of injuries. So um, the question for me more than performance, quite honestly, is can he stay healthy long enough um, to to make a difference, to be playing the big games? Because if if, and it's still an if, because it's early December, but if the Leafs can get to the playoffs and he's healthy, I think that they feel very comfortable about where they're at, that that's a goalie that could steal them a game in a playoff series, which with respect to the guys that have worn the pads, they just haven't had a lot of that. I mean, in all this this run of losing, you know, in the first round every year, look back. I mean, it's they haven't necessarily got bad goaltending, but they certainly haven't had great goaltending um, in that in those series, in those moments. And, you know, Matt Murray's got some big game experience. And I, I think that the key is, you know, not starting him too much, using Samsonov, um, managing that workload in practice and and getting him healthy uh, to, to mid-April when the when the games really matter. Well, yeah, it's a really cool story. And uh, we'll have to wait and see, as we always have to when it comes to any team, but especially the Toronto Maple Leafs, with how it'll play out. But uh, if everything does work out for him, that's he's easily a Bill Masterton nominee as far as I'm concerned. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's the Bill Masterton. This is it's a a hard award to vote on because you're comparing people that have generally been through some sort of struggle or or setback. Sometimes it's health related. Sometimes it's family related. Um, You know, Carey Price won last year. Obviously, he had uh, an addiction issue and, and, you know, returned from that. It's just hard. to. How do you compare what is who's had it worse in a way, you know I mean? Who's, who's overcome more for less, but yeah, I mean, I think off the top of my head, I'm sure there's other good nominees out there, but he would, he would, if we had a true comeback player of the year award, I, I think that that's, that would be the kind of thing for sure. I'd be comfortable saying he, he could get himself into. Why do we, Although, okay. Eric Carlson, I, I, Eric Carlson though, might have a say in a, if again, if it was just purely comeback player of the year, he, he, he might have his hands on that trophy already. Well, why not have a comeback player of the year? And I don't mean to kind of go on a side tangent because there are other topics we need to discuss, but like that would be a really cool idea. I guess the only thing is that you'd have to find a way to differentiate it between that and the Bill Masterton Award, which in a way works as that already. Exactly. It's just not framed as such, right? It's it's rewarding dedication and perseverance, uh, dedication to hockey and perseverance. Uh, and so that could mean a lot of different things. That could mean... You're Joe Thornton and you played 22 years. Maybe that's worthy. That shows a lot of perseverance to be able to still love the game and be giving back to it. And then, of course, you have, you know, things like the the very real world issues that Kerry Price went through even a few years ago. I remember Craig Anderson won when his, his wife, Nicole, had gone through a cancer battle. And, and you know, it's it, there, there should be a way to do it. I guess maybe the NHL feels it has enough awards, though. You know, I've, I've never asked anyone this, but I, I do think a comeback player of the year award would be fitting. And maybe then gives the mastered in a more clear slot because I, as I say, I think it can be interpreted a couple of different ways and it, and it might make voting on it a little more challenging. Absolutely. Okay. Let's go on to uh, the Edmonton Oilers and Yessi Pugliarfi. There's a really interesting story going on there. And 
he look, we, we have to talk about it. He recently spoke to Finnish outlet YLE about his My performance. Buddy, Tommy Seppala. Yes. Tommy, Tommy Seppala is the journalist. Tommy lived in Vancouver for years, moved back and covered the NHL out of Vancouver, uh, moved back home to Tempere, Finland, uh, where the home of the Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame is. And, and he works out of there now. But uh, anyway, I just want to give Tommy a shout out because we wouldn't have this story if not for his good work. Hey, man, we are all about shout outs here on the CJ show. Here's the quote. Here's a big quote from Yossi Poliarvi that's making the rounds 20 games in and I have one goal. I've been thinking a lot about how to do things differently right now. I just don't have the answer. What do you make of of Yessi Pugliarvi's comments to uh, Finnish media, his performance with the Edmonton Oilers, and why he seems to be playing the way he's playing? Well, he doesn't have the answer for why he's playing as he's playing. I, I don't either. I mean, I know he's had more chances than than one to score in these games. I mean, some of it might be a little bit luck-related or, or confidence-related. I mean, that's how I read those quotes. Um that that this is a player who's lacking confidence and and look this this can happen to i mean look at this is a guy at the, the top levels of professional hockey former fourth overall draft pick um you know who's had success i know he maybe hasn't become the player some forecasted for him um uh, but you know he's he's searching for it right now and I, I think the context is important you know i actually didn't ask tommy about this but i assume these two have a, a good relationship um, and so there might be some trust there and, and look, Finns in general can be quite sort of self-deprecating or just, just brutally honest or direct, um, about certain things. And, you know, you're playing as many minutes with Connor McDavid as Jesse Pugliarvi has this season. You're expected to score more than one goal. I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. Um, it's a tough spot though. You, you almost feel, you know, there's there's maybe some echoes of of the Brock Besser story in Vancouver here. You almost feel like maybe a change of scenery might be best for both Puliarvi and the Oilers. And and obviously they have had trade discussions in the past on on this player. But you know Edmonton was never able to get what they deemed to be a fair return to to pull the trigger. You know now you have a bit of a distressed asset, and so you know hopefully there's a way that they can can build Puliarvi back up and and. Um, you know, get him performing again because he's still pretty young and the underlying numbers in his game tell a story of someone who is effective. But, you know, the, right now, offensively, he's just not feeling it at all. And and so he gave an honest interview. I think we should applaud honesty, you know, sort of like I was saying in our last show about the, the Markstrom, I, you know, I suck at hockey right now thing. I, I, I don't mind someone telling it like it is because I think it's a sign of a player holding themselves to a standard. And, and, you know, whether Pugliarvi said this or not to a reporter, the, the feeling inside the Oilers management and, and dressing room would be that he has to, there needs to be more results or, or you know, you, you can't keep rolling them out there on the first line. Absolutely. One thing I can't help but notice with the Pugliarvi discourse, and I guess it's based off of what I see online and, and in talking to people in the media who are there, like, I, I can't help but wonder about like the media pressure he might have been under. I think a lot of people are throwing that as well with with Yessi. And yeah, I, I wonder if that also plays a part into that. I was speaking with uh, with a reporter out there and he was saying that Yessi isn't nearly as comfortable with with the media in, in Edmonton as he as he would be with his with the media from from his native country. And I wonder if that has to do with how he may have been you know, portrayed or described by certain members of that media. And it's not to call anyone out specifically, but I think it, I, there are a lot of people who suggest that. And I wonder if that is the case. I mean, it makes sense. 
you know, you, you, you when you have a relationship with someone, a pre-existing one, it's easier to have an open conversation. I mean, that was the thing. I know I said this numerous times during the, the COVID times. It made it much harder to do my job because you couldn't build those relationships. You couldn't sit down face to face with anyone. And, and you know, that's why it's nice we're back to this point. But, you know, Jesse Pugliarvi would know some of these reporters in Finland probably since he was 15 years old, you know, probably covered him when he when he played in the in Liga there or World Championships, World Juniors, all that sort of thing. And so it's a different level of trust. Uh, you know, it's also not easy for everyone to play in a Canadian market, right? This is he's 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 gotten there with his English, actually. But when he first came over, he was, you know, one of the European players that, that struggled a little bit or wasn't comfortable uh, with with English. Um, you know, obviously he's been a lightning rod there in a lot of ways. Certainly a lot of Twitter wars get fought over Jesse Puyarvi between the local media and, and, you know, members of that fan base. And so I think it's totally, it makes sense if he, if he just doesn't feel quite that level of comfort. Uh, I'm not sure it leads to his performance, but it's a reminder, you know, you and I do our jobs in public to a certain degree, but it's nowhere near the same as this. Like you can't, you can't go to natural statric and look up like how good Julian's stories are performing or, or, you know, did CJ do, you know, break a story or, you know, like whatever it is, you know, there, there's elements of it in public, but it's so public. Um, the results in, in, in sports and it's a results-based business. And so, yeah, I can't, I can't, the more I've spent time around it, Julian, I can't even imagine what it's really like to be a player, like how you would tune all of it out. I, I think obviously a lot of a lot of guys do it better than others. Like, but it's a skill. Like, it's not a skill that everyone possesses. And and over my time, I've spent time around a lot of players that are sensitive and don't like, you know, question the way they're portrayed by reporters. And and you know, rightfully so. I think that there's there should be an open and honest dialogue with the athletes and and the media. But um, yeah, I think it's it's reasonable that that that's part of what's going on here. And maybe if Puliarvi gets traded to a much quieter market at some point in time, he'll find life to be a little bit better. He's he wouldn't be the only one uh if that's if that's the case. Yeah, that's a very fair way of putting it. Sorry, that's I mean a look very at Nick Ritchie last year. He's one who Making comes sure to mind. Right. Yeah. Nick Ritchie struggled in Toronto. He played 20 games or so, had one goal, I think, and got traded to Arizona. And you know, he's he's performed really well there. I think he's more comfortable in that kind of situation. Just just to name one off the top of my head, there, there's numerous and there's probably some i'm not even aware of but I, I don't think everyone is equally comfortable in that level of spotlight and debate and all that stuff also you had me thinking uh if imagine if there was like a natural stat trick where you're able to track our our own metrics like the next step for the stpn is to invest in their own analytics yeah what would our redict per 60 level be <laughs> Uh, I, I would, I'd like to think it would trend pretty high for, for the shenanigans we come up with on this show. I'd like to think it would trend pretty high. Yeah. I'd score well in Redick per 60, but there's, there's some metrics I would fail in. I'm sure. Yeah. Redick. Um, it has to be what, like, anyway, write in the comments, everybody, what other different statistical measurements should be considered uh, in terms of coffee's drank per 60 while recording a show would be off the charts for me. Oh my god, absolutely it would be off the charts for you. That's at least three a game. It's so weird to be recording in the afternoon because I don't have a coffee with me. So that is true. That is true. I have not had any type of warm beverage today, and I could actually use some. Maybe I'll walk to the Tim Hortons if it's uh, not too far from my hotel here. There's also a Starbucks Columbus. beside the rink, too. 
Okay. All right. I like I prefer Tim Hortons. I'm more of a Timmy Ho's guy than a Starbucks guy. But wow, man of the people. Starbucks works. Yeah. I, I like I mean McDonald's coffee, I get it, has kind of taken up. It's like kind of stepped up on on Timmy Ho's, but Timmy Ho's is pretty good. Oh man, I'm anyway. a Starbucks guy. I mean, I like I mean I don't hate Starbucks. Starbucks is okay. But like I mean I I like how you, you order drinks at Starbucks and you're able to get your name on it. I remember once I was hanging out with this one friend of mine. Uh, her name was Sabrina, and she got her you got her her name on the cup. And then, just as a joke, I was just like, you know what, my name's Sabrina too. And they actually did it. They believed yeah. me. I was a yeah. That's I like that you can order ahead on the exists. app. I like that you can order ahead on the app yes. and grab it. You should you should By see the way, my system uh, when I go this to is a not Leafs, an ad for Starbucks. You should see my system when I go to a Leafs morning skate. Now it's like I know exactly when to order it without having to wait. Like on my way into the building, it's perfect. It's like it's it's clockwork. Maybe on Saturday. Oh, my man, you're coming to Maybe. town. Yes, 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 yes. We will figure out lunch plans uh, later after we finish this. Have you have you ever covered a game at Scotiabank Arena? Never. I've been to a concert earlier this year, but I've never covered a game there. Oh, that's cool. And it's nice you're getting a Saturday. I think there's still something special about Saturday. Um, just a different feel in the air. Uh, be a pretty good buzz here, I think, for Leafs Flames, uh, especially with my man Julian in the building. That's going to be, oh, shoot, that's going to be crazy. You're going to be there. Mike Stevens is going to be there. I presume Myrtle and some of the other athletic folks will be there, too. It's going to be, I think, Rune Srinivasan might be there, too, from Yacht. There's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if I'm going to the game because I have a early flight the next morning to Florida for the Board of Governors meeting next week. So, but I will definitely oh, be I will okay. definitely be attending the morning skates. I will definitely be seeing you and producer Nick in the afternoon. But uh might watch that one from my couch with the 6 a.m. wake up or whatever it is. Ah, uh, all right. I understand that. I th- I mean, anyway, uh we can get into that maybe after we go through all the topics. But uh the next few the next two games for me are gonna be really fun. Um, I've got to mention the world juniors coming up, uh, some names being loaned to Team Canada. Uh, for the upcoming tournament, uh, Shane Wright, it's been announced that he has been loaned. Brent Clark from the Los Angeles from the Los Angeles Kings, and just before we started recording, uh, Dylan Genther uh, been has also been loaned uh, to Team Canada. Any other news and notes on that front? Yeah, Wyatt Johnston is not going to join Team Canada. He's played every game for the Dallas Stars this year as a rookie. But I mean, this is a pretty good set of announcements, I would say. Um, for for the people in charge of building that team, because you're adding at least three players with with some NHL experience uh, to that roster, and you know how how has Shane Wright really turned things around here in the last few weeks? I mean, nice story for him that AHL conditioning stint and and you know scoring four goals in five games down there, you know getting to return and play an NHL game, scoring his first NHL goal against the Montreal Canadiens, who he famously gave the the dart eyes to uh, after they passed on him with the first overall pick uh in july and and now you know he, he can ride that momentum out to moncton uh where they're having the camp for the world junior team and then ultimately to halifax where the games will be played later this month so i think it's it's going to be an exciting tournament i'm sure we'll dig into it more as it gets closer um but you know canada isn't always so fortunate with some of its best players being released and it's it's lined up pretty well for them to have a, a shot at winning another gold medal man uh we're getting another we just had one and now we're going to get one back in its normal slot uh, on uh, Boxing Day this year. Kind of, kind of interesting. 
with all the hockey we've had. It's going to be great. And that's no disrespect or whatever, like good for everyone for playing that tournament in the summer. And I understand why it was done, but it, it didn't, didn't pop right. The, the trouble selling tickets. It just, it didn't feel right. But much like I'm saying, it's great to be back in dressing rooms and have everything feel quote unquote normal. I think this will feel like a normal world juniors for anyone who hasn't been there. Halifax is an absolutely awesome city. I couldn't recommend it enough. I covered the world hockey championship there actually in 2008. And what a memorable time that was. It was crazy. The, the, the enthusiasm I would expect it'll be the same. And I think, I think this is going to feel like normal again for the first time in three or four years. All right. I have to add uh, Halifax to the list of cities I oh. haven't been to. I've never been. Man, you have to go. Like, it's such a fun time. Uh, live music, good bar scene, just nice, quaint people, pretty city on the harbor, you know, small, easy to get around. Like, it's it's a, it's a great spot. Have you been to every province in this country? I haven't been to the territories. Uh, I've been to every province, though. A man about this country. I like Christopher I, Johnston. I like traveling. And obviously, I've been very fortunate in my career to travel on someone else's dime and, and to see a lot of the things I've seen that, you know, I couldn't have afforded to do on my own, quite frankly, or wouldn't have had the time to either. So, um, yeah, Canada is an awesome place, but, you know, there's tons of places in the U.S. I could recommend, too. I mean, there's really not that many places I don't like going. I've always had sort of a little wanderlust to to my mindset. And usually when I have time, any free time off, I always go on a vacation somewhere. All right. And with that, it's time for stick taps as we wrap up the Thursday edition of the CJ show. Um, do you want to start or should I start? I'll start. I'm going to give a stick tap out this week. No cross check coming from me. Uh, and I'm going to give it to Justin Bourne, a former colleague of mine when I worked at Sportsnet, but a friend of mine, even before either of us worked at Sportsnet, someone I've known a long time. And, you know, he's, you know, shared publicly actually just today that uh, he's a recovering alcoholic and and that he's releasing a book uh, coming out in February when it will mark the four year anniversary of his sobriety in which he talks about his struggles with alcoholism, talks about his father's struggles with alcoholism. His dad is a guy named Bob Bourne, who, who won the Stanley Cup with the New York Islanders, uh, had quite a great NHL career. And so uh, I, I commend Justin for his bravery to, to share this publicly. Um, and his commitment to to getting his life back to a good place. So I'm excited to read his book. We'll give it a shout out when it's actually somewhere you can buy it and it's on shelves. But uh, I'm going to give my stick tack to Justin because he's a he's a great guy. And it sounds like he's been through a lot, but uh, I'm happy to hear his life is in a good place. Seconded. Uh, I haven't met Justin personally yet. Uh, I would like to one day. Uh, he, he does come across as a great guy and he's absolutely a great follow on Twitter. So uh, glad to know that we're able to give him a stick tap. Um, I don't have a stick tap. I have a cross check. You're gonna have to bear with me a little bit for this one. Uh, I won't get us in trouble here, but I think uh, a cross check is deserving for Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, for those who are up to speed on that story, uh, just a bit of Cole's notes here for everyone. Uh, Carey Price uh, went on his Instagram and uh just put together a little post. I'll just read the description here. I love my family. I love my country and I care for my neighbor. I am not a criminal or a threat to society. What Justin Trudeau is trying to do is unjust. I support uh, the CCFR, CCDAF, the, uh, the organization that he's picking up here, the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights uh, in their, uh, sorry, excuse me, to keep their my hunting tools. Thank you for listening to my opinion. That caused a wildfire storm 
Uh, obviously, Carey Price is known to be a hunter, and there's been a lot of controversy over the timing of this post. My issue is not with what he's advocating for. The timing is part of it. It's just the fact that he's saying he didn't know anything about the timing with it being with the fact that this is an unfortunate week in terms of commemorating the unfortunate tragedy that took place at uh, Ecole Polytechnique, where unfortunately 14 women were killed just over 30 years ago. It's the fact that we were made to believe by the Canadians that Carey Price didn't know about the tragedy. And then he puts out a statement saying that he did. I'm just not a fan of the fact that uh, there's this miscommunication going forward and it ultimately makes Carey Price look bad and it makes the Montreal Canadiens look bad. Again, I'm not giving out any opinion with regards to uh, what Carey Price is trying to share with regards to his opinion. I do think the timing is a little bit weird, but I only think it's part of this story here. And I really think Carey Price and the Canadians, in terms of how they're trying to get their messaging, messaging out, that is the bigger issue with me more than anything else. So that is my cross check for this week. Anyway, like I said, you have to bear with me a little bit. Sorry for the slip up. We've already got the glitches and stuff. It's already been happening, but we were able to get a good show off anyway. I'd, I'd like to think we did. Great show. And I'm going to see you in a day and a half. Crazy. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see producer Nick as well. Uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode of the Chris Johnston show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with whatever technical difficulties you might have seen on my end and uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen, however you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts and get your questions in for Ask CJ. We will get to them on Monday. Uh, for Chris, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. CJ, I will see you next. Safe travels, bud. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.